Can't stop Mason Morelli. Golf clap. No, they get more than a golf clap. Oh, they get a they get a big clap. Yeah, they get a big clap. The golf clap was for a loser point. I was ready oh, to give them a big mor- clap. I was ready to give them a moral victory if they just got one point yeah, against Toronto. Yeah, they got Toronto. a big clap. They scored six goals. Yeah, they, they got they two points. Well. Big clap. Unbelievable. We're gonna get back into the Golden Knights, but we got to do something else first. Uh, yesterday, Ash from Sam and Ash Law was on the show, and we uh, told her Danny's. Uh, perilous situation with his coffee uh after the show ash sent danny a gift card to dunkin donuts oh ash they actually gave oh, me man what so, a what a what a person what a person uh lakin ash's uh marketing person texted me after the show and said how long are you gonna be at the station we want to bring you something they came here uh, yeah they made the trip yeah, and I wasn't sure what they were bringing, but they actually brought me like a little a little goodie bag thing. It was like a uh, like a salmon ash thermos with a pin and like a little clip. Man, yeah. Ash, I lost twenty bucks the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny <laughs> fell out of the pocket. St- you still have not gotten your coffee from my coworker who who threw it away right no, you still have not, not gotten that who works 9 feet away from me yeah okay yeah. still have not gotten that coffee reimbursement but nope. uh your your lawyer ash now has taken care of you with a dunkin donuts gift card and a goodie bag that's right man is there anyone better than sam and ash danny's getting taken care of over here can you believe that that is awesome and i was very surprised you know i when when Ash mentioned it on the air, I thought she just was kind of joking. Yeah. But like the moment the show was over, I got the gift card. I was like, "Oh wow!" And here's a question for you: Did she, how many coffees can you buy with the gift card she sent you? It depends what kind, but more than one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, so I got, can buy. I could buy minimum three. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> like I said, I'm losing money left and right here, Ash. It was it was very generous of. Ash that's, over that's, that Ash deserves Law. a big clap. That deserves a big clap. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that is Absolutely. that is awesome. I'm a, I'm very appreciative of that. Wow. Here we go. The first bite. Do the Golden Knights need Jack Eichel or Mark Stone? Trade those bums. Oh uh, no, no, they don't no, need no. Them. They got, only one game. They got Mason Morelli scoring Mason goals. Mason Morelli. That's right. Mason Morelli is second goal. They got Mason Morelli scoring more goals than Austin Matthews. You don't need the Stone and Eichel. They just cost too much money. What a game. Think what of how many Mason Morellis you could have. You could have a whole team of Mason Morellis for the cost of Eichel and Stone. Put Morelli up on the top line. Uh they beat Toronto six to two yesterday. It was three to one entering the third period. Toronto never got within a goal. Um, incredible, uh, absolutely incredible from the Golden Knights. They they were pretty bad for the first, I don't know, eight to ten minutes of that game, but Toronto didn't actually cash in with a goal. And after that, the Golden Knights kind of settled down. Toronto's still good and had plenty of chances throughout the game, but it wasn't getting run over like they did in the first matchup, and it wasn't – it kind of got run over in the first ten minutes of this, this game too. And they played pretty well, and then they actually – Scored some goals, which I am genuinely shocked they scored six times yesterday. I know one was an empty netter, but I'm genuinely so- shocked they scored six times. Well, especially after we saw them you know, last week against the uh, Maple Leafs, and yeah. then they scored twice and just got run out of the building. Yeah. Ivan Barbashev scored a five-on-five goal Yeah, without uh, Eichel on the ice, which is only the fifth time he's done that this season. He had a breakaway. Great read by him to get out of the defensive yeah. zone, and then Michael Amadio made a terrific pass, and he's 
all alone scores on the breakaway. But Barbashev scores without Eichel, which is a big question as to whether this team can get five-on-five goals out of guys like Barbashev, Stevenson, Amadio when they're not playing with the star players. They got one last night. Obviously, you get a goal from Mason Morelli on the fourth line. That's going to go a long ways towards winning a game. Um, so terrific job there. And then on top of that, they got three goals combined out of Carlson and Marshall. One was an empty net goal, so the game sort of in hand by that point. But to get two goals within sort of the normal flow of play from Carlson and Marshall, so they kind of need that every night. And then if you get one from Morelli, get one from Barbashev or something like that, then you can win some games three to two. Johnny Marsh or so. Oh, he's going to get there. You got oh, two? Oh, you got two more. What a, what a tip on the empty net goal to make sure he gets that second <laughs> one last night. What a job. So Marsh or so, two goals, career high now 32. He is on pace for 44 and a half goals. He needs 12 in the last 23 games to get to 44 goals, which would be the franchise record and prove me right as I said that he was going to get this 44 goals. I I needed the two goals out of him in a game. I need him to do it again. They play Thursday night again. I need like a I need like I still need another good run here of like five goals in four games to really really make this a uh, a certainty that he's going to get to 44. Yeah, he got him at what? 42. Yeah. Cuz the he hasn't really done it in the last like month or so, but there is a really good chance that he goes, you know, eight games without a goal. Right. right, that happens. Right. That happens to everybody. Somewhat regularly in hockey. So if he does that, he's going to completely ruin his chances, unless he scores like five goals in three games. Barbershop had gone nine games. Well, he's not any good. Well, he's not horrible. <laughs> not Are we horrible. Sure? Are we sure? We're sure. Okay. We're sure he's not horrible. He scored a goal last night, so I, I shouldn't say that right now. But I'm not sure he's that great. Uh, but Golden Knights, uh, impressive win. Uh, six to two over Toronto's incredible. And by the way, Aiden Hill. Yes, guy might be back. He didn't get pulled. Does he only need to play on the road? He's that's, won five straight the, road starts. <laughs> His last, I think, four home starts have all been disasters. Yeah, exactly. Does they do they just need to have a home and a road goalie? Is that how they should play this from now on? That might be in. That might be interesting if they say Logan Thompson, you're at home, and Aiden Hill, you're on the road. I would love to hear a coach explain. Like, what would be the logic behind that? Obviously the numbers, but it's a small sample size. But, like, would a coach ever actually believe, oh, this guy's good at home and this guy's good on the road? Probably not. Like, Aiden Hill can't do it at home in front no, of his I, own I don't fans. Think so. Like, that would be pretty funny. But he uh, performed well last night. Uh, one of the uh, goals he gave up was a uh, – got deflected off Alec Martinez's skate, so not entirely Aiden Hill's fault when your teammate is deflecting it in there. But here's a real question for you. Can a goalie have a good game if he gives up a goal to Ryan Reeves? Uh, I think Ryan Reeves is on the revenge tour. He played well last week as well against the Golden Knights, well, didn't he? The whole team I mean, did. Yeah, but I mean, it yeah. was, it's Ryan Reeves on a fourth line. <laughs> I mean, give him some credit. He had, he had an assist in that game. Yeah. He had a goal in this and game. And he almost had a goal in that game. He missed it uh, short. Uh, I believe Ryan Reeves has two points against everybody else in the NHL, and he has two points in two against games the Golden against Knights. the Golden Knights. He should be motivated all. He might actually be a real hockey player if he played like if that. If he played the them time. every night. Yeah. Well, just get that motivation somewhere else. And by the way, he scored in transition. How the hell did the Golden Knights give up a Ryan Reeves transition? Yeah, in transition. Goal? What's happening there? He's changed directions at center ice and all of a sudden nobody can catch him? Unbelievable. Ryan Reeves scoring. And oh, one other thing on Aiden Hill. Yeah, this is one of the funniest things that happens in hockey. When a player loses their skate blade 
and they one of their feet are just useless because you right. it's just the plastic. And he's lucky and he, because he left the entire goal open. Yeah. Oh, he got I he just was he like couldn't, five he couldn't feet push, out of the net. He couldn't push back. When players lose their skate blades, it's one of the funniest things in hockey because they can't skate. They got right. one leg that works. Right. They got to like paddle themselves. If you're a goalie, they'll blow it dead because goalies are important and we, we can't have goalies that can't move. But if you're just a regular skater, play keeps going. You're trying to like paddle yourself. To, yes. Oh, it's one of the funniest things. It's well, one he of had the to be helped things. off the ice. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. He's, he's got 100 pounds of equipment he's wearing. There's no way he's getting to the bench without a skate blade. Oh, it's one of the funniest things. It's great. You just lose the entire ability to move your skate, and it's not because of injury. It's because you, no. just, you just lost the skate. Blade. And he's been hurt so much, the announcer said, we hope he's not injured. Well, so I – what did I have? I did not have the sound on at the time, and I was like, uh-oh. That was my first thought was like, oh, that looked kind of bad. Did he get hurt? Right. And then they, sh- and then they showed uh, the actual blade. The ref had picked it up or something. I was like, oh, right. he lost his skate blade. So that's always fun there. Something else that happened in this game. Sheldon Keefe, who's the head coach of the Maple Leafs, yeah. got ejected. Got a game misconduct in the third period. He was arguing. He thought there should have been a penalty call. The refs didn't call it. What did he say? Coaches don't well, get game misconducts, like, ever for just yelling. It, I don't even know if it looked like he was yelling. Right. It looked like he said that he fell down or... That's what the uh, announcer thought he said. He fell down or no one touched him or something like that. But it wasn't like... He's going crazy, yeah. waving his arms, screaming. Obviously, he could have said something that cameras didn't pick up and nobody right. saw, and the refs were like, whoa, you can't say that. But from any of the replays they showed, it just looked like a normal coach yelling at ref scenario yeah. that you see you know, every night in the NHL. I was I was confused by that. I was like, what the hell? It's like Sheldon Keefe, isn't that the coach? Where's he going? Why is he walking? <laughs> Where's, the game's not over yet. Does he know that? Telling his assistants, you take over. <laughs> and he got ejected. I... Kind of confused because what a coach, it's hockey. Coaches don't get thrown out in hockey. First time I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, I guess when Patrick Waugh tried to tear down a wall, he got thrown out. But that was <laughs> trying to fight the other team's coach, not just for yelling. Uh, so, yeah, the Golden, the Golden Knights beat the Maple Leafs so badly their coach had to leave early. Yeah. It's pretty good. You knew he played well as, uh, as uh, Shea Theodore. Oh, it's like he wasn't never hurt. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he, was, maybe he just wanted some time off. He was tired. <laughs> he had only played like 15 games. Yeah. I mean, he's played well since he's been back. He's got uh, yeah. six, seven assists. He's got an assist in every game. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's good. Uh, still hasn't scored, which means my favorite stat still is true, that he is uh, tied. tied with Alec Martinez for the most goals by, by defenseman. defenseman. Yeah. Actually, it would be better if he did score because then he would have the most goals and have only played, you know, and missed 20 Five games or whatever that number is. Are they going to get? They scored six last night. So they didn't need one last night, but last night's probably not going to happen again without Eichel and Stone. Like the amount of times they're going to score six goals without right. Eichel and Stone, it's an anomaly. Are they going to get goals from their defensemen at any point? I mean, they haven't really yet. And there's like, twenty three games left. There's twenty. Is there twenty three games left? Uh yeah, twenty three. So it's. <laughs> It's not the way the team has played since Bruce Cassidy took over. And the the contrast between Cassidy's teams and Pete DeBoer, who was here before him, Pete DeBoer's teams often had their defensemen shoot a lot from the blue line. Cassidy's teams don't do that. And so you get fewer goals out of your defensemen. I just I, I wonder if that should change a little bit. I mean, the Mason Morelli goal was a deflection off a of Shea Theodore shot from the point. 
I wonder if that does change a little bit. Maybe they try to get a little bit more offense out of those guys because if they go through some offensive droughts here without Eichel and Stone, you need goals from somewhere. And the forward lines might not be as reliable as you think, or as they're, you're used to them being. I wonder if they maybe ask a little bit more of their defensemen to be a little bit more aggressive. Offensively and aggressive. However, that can take away from, hey, we need to win games 2-1 to one because right. our defense needs to be sound. Because if Shea Theodore, you know, Penches jumps into the offensive play, tries to get to the slot to a dangerous area. All of a sudden, he's out of position, and it's a two-on-one. It's going the other way. All of a sudden, Ryan Reeves is on a two-on-one. Transition, like, he's hell scoring. Did that happen? So that's a a curious balancing point. Getting Eichel back in the near future, which looks yeah, likely, he's skating with the right jersey. Um, would obviously alleviate some of those concerns about how do you find offense. But defenseman scoring has never been a big part of the Golden Knights since Bruce Cassidy took over. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, UNLV picked up another win as they knocked off Wyoming last night. Whaley out top. Whaley drives. Whaley underneath. Oh, baby! Duck and a foul. A blocking foul on Manyau. Rob Whaley saw the opening, took advantage, took off from 8 or 10 feet from the basket. The left-handed tomahawk slam and a chance for a three-point play. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Granny and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. UNLV had two spectacular dunks in overtime. That one from Whaley where he posterized a guy, and then Luis Rodriguez made one of the craziest passes I've seen behind the back bounce pass to Caleb Boone. To Caleb Boone who threw it down. For a dunk. Um, However... The world would be a better place if these two teams never played basketball yeah. again. <laughs> they have played twice, and both have just been horrific. It was, what was it, 20 to 15 when I texted you, and I said the game's over because Wyoming can't get to 20 <laughs> points? The The first half of this game, the second half, listen, they started making shots. Second half was fine. First half of this game was an abomination. The teams combined to make 14 shots and had 14 turnovers there was a point in that game where Rob Whaley missed the rim on a layup and then airballed a dunk like two minutes later because the ball slipped out of his hands and UNLV was still winning the game like, Wyoming was worse yes like UNLV was, worse. was not good at all and why and UNLV was still winning because Wyoming just couldn't do anything, anything. remotely well like, Four of ten from the line in the first half, Wyoming? Unbelievable. The first half, Wyoming made three of eight on layups and dunks. UNLV was two of eight on layups and dunks. Not like mid-range jumpers or threes. Just you're right at the rim, put it in. No. That was horrific basketball. I, first half, and they've done this twice now, where they've played games and you just watch 20-plus minutes at a time, and you're like, Ugh. oh, boy. Like, Wyoming scored 48 in the first matchup with this team. So, it would be a ba- If they get matched up in the Mountain West Tournament, just take it off TV. CBS Sports should just be able to say, no, thank you. We're not airing this one. Nobody needs to see this one. Even this worse would be if it's a 9 p.m. game. Oh, if this game is at not. Oh, Ed. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus. <laughs> if I'm watching them miss layups at 1030 at night, I'm like, first of 40 wins. Yep. Oh, just put in a mercy rule for everybody in attendance for that one. Oh, gross. But... Uh, UNLV won the game. How Still much do, on track for my record. How much do we want to talk about the end of regulation? I mean, that's a pretty big part of it. Yeah, I mean, that was not good. So they led by four with 22 seconds left. 
Uh, they fouled Wyoming, not on purpose. Guy was driving to the rim. Fouled Wyoming. Wyoming made two free throws. And then facing the press, Justin Webster turned it over. And then Wyoming went to the rim, a foul on Keelan Boone, got two more free throws, made them both to tie the game. But UNLV still had about five seconds to go down and get a game-winning shot. They tried to run a play that involved Rob Whaley catching the ball along the sideline. Rob Whaley, as he caught it, stepped out of bounds with both feet. Wasn't even particularly close to having like one inbounds and the other one out. Both feet out of bounds, so it was a turnover. Wyoming instead got the last shot. Didn't make it, and they went to overtime and they won. But UNLV almost threw away another game that we've seen them do over and over this year. They're what like they're just not good. They're good enough to win eight of nine they're, and be on my pace no, for thirteen and five record. They're not I'll good at the, in the if it's like a one possession game in the final minute. They're just not good. They just well can't. when you win eight of nine, maybe you don't need one possession well, games the, in the final. That's what they the got to avoid. Minute. They got to be up by five in that scenario because it's just like no I, thank you. They won the game. They did. You'd rather win playing ugly than lose playing pretty. There you go. Uh, actually, no. Yes, you don't want to lose the game. It doesn't matter how well you play. Why would you want to lose the game? I mean, based on the way college basketball works, you'd rather lose to Houston by one than beat Wyoming in overtime. Uh, well, I'd rather win the game no matter what. Just like I'd rather win the game than the three points. You'd streak. rather lose to Houston by one than beat Wyoming by one. Like if if right well, if, if you could replace last night's game with losing to Houston they don't by play one. Houston. I know, but I'm saying you said you'd rather win ugly. It's oh, I'd rather true. win the game no matter what. I'd That's rather win true. a game no matter what. Yes, I'd rather win. You'd a game be no better off losing to a really good I'd team. I'd rather than win beating the game and stay on track for 13 and five. Well, nobody cares about that actually, oh, except absolutely. you. Absolutely, they do. Except you. 13 uh, and five in the Mountain West doesn't actually get you anything. 13, 13 and five might get you the two seed. Oh God, they can't get the two seed, Ed. Uh, you don't want them to get. The, I know you want them to go 13 and five. So you can say you were right. You don't want the two seed. You're going to be covering a 9 p.m. semifinal game if they get the two seed. They don't want them to get the three seed. That, that they play in the they do too. They got to get four, five, or one. No, they're not going to get four or five. That's what they have because to get. Otherwise, they're playing a nine o'clock Utah semifinal gonna, game. Utah State's going to win out they are. and win the league most likely. Boise still has to play at San Diego State. San Diego State still has to play at UNLV. Okay, all right. Let's not act like that's a tough game. That's oh my goodness! You, I, I'm they picking, win here I'm every picking, time. I'm picking the Rebels. They win here every the way they're time. Playing, they're gonna they're gonna handle San Jose State. What do you State. mean the way they're playing? They just they're played handle, like crap. They're gonna last handle night. San Jose State, and then they're headed to to the you know a tough week, home to San Diego State at Reno. That's not an easy week. I have faith. I have faith in the Rebels. Okay, I know you do, <laughs> but I'm telling you, you don't want them to. Best, oh, for the column? For your, for your sake, best case scenario, they lose both of those and they're the four or the five seed. Playing earlier. Yes. Ed, if they're the four or the five seed, you're, the game every game they play in the Mountain West Tournament is over by 6 p.m. If they're the two or the three seed, they might have a game that ends at 11.30 p.m. Not, it's not good the, for deadline. That's not good for deadline. No. So I'm telling you what you you don't want 13 <laughs> and 5. 13 and 5 is bad. The only way I think I want 13 and 5 for the victory lap. Because I've said 13 and 5 for a long time. The only way 13 and 5 is good is if Utah State blows it and UNLV actually steals the one seed. But Utah, Utah State almost blew it last they night. They did, but they didn't. And that's kind of the problem, is that was probably the Huddy shot. Huddy not fouling dub three. He's not very good. Are they going to fire him? Like, come on, what are you doing, Fresno State? Um, one of the, we got to talk about Caleb Boone, by the way. Monster game, twenty-four points, twelve rebounds. Seven of those were offensive, by the way. Caleb Boone shot eighty percent from the floor last night. His teammate shot thirty-two point six percent. 
<laughs> Caleb Boone, very good. Nobody else could put the ball in. But I just need to read to you Caleb Boone's point totals from the last 10 games. 4, 9, 21, 0, 11, 12, 6, 8, 8, 24. So you're saying there's some inconsistency there. So I was looking at this yesterday. Caleb Boone averages 11.6 points per game. This season, Caleb Boone has scored between 9 and 13 points just four times. He doesn't come within two points of his average ever. This He is either, oh my God, why is Caleb Boone on the floor? Or, oh, Caleb Boone's the best player on the court. It's incredible how drastically different his performances are on a night-to-night basis. Night -night basis. He scored 24 last night. He had. Oh, it was really good. He Hooks, had, little jumpers, dunks. He had 24 in his previous three combined. Yeah. He was the only starter of both teams that had two made shots at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. No, I looked the first it up. Half, the first half was – it's like uh, Dan Dickow said uh, – and I don't even know if you watched that film. I'm sure they did, but Dan Dickow said there's one game every year where coaches are like, you know what, we we don't have to watch this. We don't have to watch this film. Okay, the the first half was so bad that Dan Dickow, the color commentary guy, was giving DJ Thomas credit for missing a shot because Caleb Boone was able to get the offensive rebound. He was like, oh, he drew the defender in there when he missed this <laughs> shot, and Caleb Boone got through. I was like, all right, this is a bad game. Like, we're giving credit to a guy for missing a floater because it got an offensive rebound hey, for his Dan teammate. Hey, Dan Dickow knew Bishop Gorman. Dan Dickow's very good. Yeah, he just didn't know the time of the state championship because he said he should be at liberty playing the state championship against Bishop Gorman. Bishop Gorman beat Coronado last week for the state championship. But he did know <laughs> Bishop Gorman, Dan Dickow. Uh, my hot take for you is that Dan Dickow is very good. Uh, Pete Gillen is terrible. Ah, oh, the poor they're, coach. They're poor made. old coach. Here, Come on. Here's my problem with Pete Gillen. Every single game that he calls in the Mountain West, he spends half of it saying, you got to throw it into the big guy. You got to get it to the big guy. He's a monster. Doesn't matter what team is playing. Doesn't matter how the game is gone. Doesn't matter what the score is. Got to get it inside. Anytime a guard misses a shot, oh, that's not a shot you want. Every single time. It's, it's unbelievable. I can't stand it. Dan Dickow's actually good. Dan Dickow, I think, is very good at his job. But Pete Gillen, come on, man. Nobody, like, Jaden Ledee needs to get the ball. <laughs> Caleb Boone last night needs to get the ball. That's about it. There's not teams that need to be thrown into the post 45 times a game like he wants them to. Incredible. Also, one last thing before uh, we got Miles Simmons coming up here. The refs did the first half, second half thing again. Oh, no calls, all there, calls. There were 11 fouls in the first half. There were 20 in the second half. Yeah. There were seven in overtime. The, Wyoming got called for a foul on six of the nine possessions they played defensively in overtime. What's going on? This is three of the last four games. The only one that didn't happen was the Air Force game where it was a blowout and didn't matter. But three of the last, excuse me, four of the last five games, the fouls in the second half have doubled in UNLV's games from the first half. What's going on? I don't understand. Like I know there are going to be more fouls in the second half because teams are intentionally fouling and stuff like right, that. Right, right. But Down not enough stretch. to not enough to double it. Right. This is crazy. It's happened in the the last four close games they've played. The refs have been like nothing happened in the first half. Oh my God! Everybody's getting hammered in the second half. I don't get it. I don't either. I don't either. And and I wish it would stay the same from the first right. half so you have more flow in the game. Because yesterday UNLV didn't have a free throw attempt at halftime. Uh, Wyoming was four of ten, and they yeah, both ended up they, they both ended they up shooting shoot. more than twenty. Yeah, UNLV took twenty two free throws in the second half and overtime alone. 
Wyoming took 19, I think it was, in the second half in overtime. Rebels making those free throws the they last did. three games. All of a sudden, they're, they're the making, best free throw yeah. shooting team in the country. country. They're great at it, and they were bad for the majority of the year. DJ Tom, well, he did miss one. Damn, I was going to say he can't miss. He's 41 of his last 45, which is good, but he did miss one last night. All right, coming up next, Miles Simmons joins us from the Combine. Joining us now live from the Combine in Indianapolis, it's Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Good morning, Miles. Hi, Miles. Good morning, gentlemen. Ah, little killers on the intro. I like yeah, it. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to Danny for playing that over there. Um, Miles, has there been any good useless news? Have you heard anything at the combine and just was like, "Why? That's pointless. Why does anybody care about that?" Um, I mean, I'm sure that there is right now. There's there are linebackers and other defensive <laughs> players talking in uh, the big room with all the press conferences and all the sets and like Radio Row and all that. I'm sure there's plenty of useless things that are being said in there right now but i'm not in that room so i can't tell you exactly what they are um we this happens sort of every year maybe a little more each season but we're seeing top quarterbacks that are not participating in certain drills or entire parts of the combine we even have a handful of coaches that don't show up to the combine is that any any that a big deal like is the combine gonna lose its importance over time or is this just gonna be a few guys every year you think no, I, I think it's a few guys every year, in part because the medical information is what is really so important. And, you know, it's not like something like that is going to prevent you from winning the Super Bowl. I think that we understand that because the Rams haven't been here since, I think, 2020, <laughs> you know, the early part of that year before the world got shut down, you know, a few weeks later. And they obviously won the Super Bowl a year later. So it's not like that's something that's going to prevent you from winning. Kyle Shanahan hasn't been here in years either, to my understanding. And, you know, the 49ers were, you know, a, a, a hair away from winning the Super Bowl too. So it's, I, I think different teams have different priorities. Um, and some teams really like to be here because they can do things that you can't necessarily do from far away. And other teams think, you know, it's a little bit more productive if we can just be where we are and then we'll get the medical information because everybody's going to get that. And, you know, we don't necessarily have to do the whole socializing element. So I, it, different teams do different things in different ways. Miles, let's stay with the quarterbacks. Um, is there anything you think or believe that could be thrown out there that any of these teams will come off the top three picks? Maybe the Patriots. Um, but the top two, I, I just, I don't think so. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make much sense to me. And, you know, you kind of read through some of the things, uh, the lines, let's say, between some of the things that uh, Ryan Poles was saying yesterday and the way they, he and Eberflusch kind of talking about, oh, we need a quarterback that's going to finish better in the fourth quarter, you know, and I think Poles specifically said if we are going to trade Justin Fields, we want to do right by him. Like That's something that I think really signals, hey, we're trying to do right by him. Anybody who has an offer, you know, we're here, so come talk to me. Come talk to us. Let's, let's see if we can put something together. And I think that they want to do that um, in part because this is the time where, let's say, if you are going to do right by Justin Fields, you want to get that done before the start of free agency so that you're not competing really against all the other teams that might want a Kirk Cousins or you know, might want to go after one of these other veteran guys that are on the market. So, yeah, I, I think it makes sense for the Bears to trade Justin Fields, keep that number one overall pick, and then select Caleb Williams. And that, that's kind of the only way I see it going. Uh, where do you think Kirk Cousins plays next year? Does he still end up in Minnesota? Or do you think there's a real chance he ends up somewhere else? 
I think there's a chance he ends up somewhere else, but I, I do think that the Vikings have made it a priority to re-sign him. Again, you, you listen to what Kevin O'Connell's saying. They, they have a really good relationship. Um, Kirk Cousins has been rehabbing and doing some of the work for that at, at the Vikings facility, so it's not like those two teams, those two parties are completely on the outs. So that's something where I, I'm thinking – you know, if they really do want to stay together, I think that that's something that you would be able to get done. Because the other thing that is risky about signing a Kirk Cousins at this point, I mean, if you are not the Vikings, you don't know exactly what the medical information is, right? So you don't necessarily know how he's been rehabbing, what he's been doing to rehab, you know, exactly what the injury was when he did. So that's a little bit risky, I think, when you're taking on a quarterback in your, his mid-30s and he's coming off an Achilles. That's something that you don't necessarily want to do. Uh, Russell Wilson wants to win two more Super Bowls and lift that Lombardi. Uh, I don't know if that's <laughs> going to happen. Only two? Um, well, what What's the market for him if he hits it? Well, I mean, if he wants to win two Super Bowls, you know, then I think the best chance he's going to have to do that is to go be Patrick Holmes' backup, right? <laughs> <laughs> Where else is that uh, really going to happen? No, it, it's interesting. He's a guy that once he gets released, and I think that's something else. You know, you, you can kind of read between the lines and figure out that that's where that's going. Um, you know, I was at uh, Sean Payton's press conference yesterday, and he said, you know, we'll have a resolution effectively in two weeks, within the next two weeks. So it's like, okay, well, the only thing that's going to happen there is you're going to release him. Um, so yeah, I, I, he's a guy that could take a veteran minimum. Um, because he has the guaranteed money coming to him from the Broncos, so he could go somewhere, take that vet minimum, you know, be a competitor in the room. Maybe the Steelers make sense in some way, you know, if Arthur Smith can get that run game going, that would make sense because it would allow Russell Wilson to do the things he does best, um, which is like hand off and then make the occasional play on a, a big known passing situation. So like, that's fine. Um, perhaps Atlanta would be a fit. I, I don't know. I mean, but it, it's not like we're talking about a guy who was super, super effective last year. I mean, yeah, he, he was much, much better than he was um, in 2022. But that, I mean, when you had him and, and Daniel Hackett together, that was a matchup made in hell. So like you, you're at least better in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think once the dominoes start to fall, right, once Justin Fields goes where Justin Fields is going to go, there will be a better sense of where Russell Wilson could land. He could land in Vegas, honestly, you know, and be a bridge guy to whoever is next. Uh, the running back free agent class is likely to be loaded with Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler and Tony Pollard. Do any of those guys get big deals? Because we just had an offseason where they all got franchise tagged and only Jonathan Taylor got a deal. Do we have an offseason where we've got big-name running backs that aren't signed into training camp because nobody's willing to give them a three-year deal at the money they expect? Yes, and honestly, I, I don't know why anybody would expect a running back to get a big deal that's a veteran right now. I mean, those guys are going to be free agents for a reason. Right. So the only one that you, you look at and you're like, okay, there's the longevity aspect, there's the durability aspect, and there's just the different aspect of it. I mean, it's Derek Henry. I think that he might be able to get a decent deal, you know, two years, maybe a little bit of guaranteed money in the second year. But I'm not, I, I just, I think the fact that there's so many of them probably would depress the market. 
you know, it's a supply and demand thing. And when you have not only a bunch of uh, running backs who are free agents, but you've still got an entire crop of running backs that are going to be coming into the league through the draft. Like, that's not really a great situation for the guys at that position. And, you know, Josh Jacobs did not have the best year. Now, Saquon Barkley was fine. Again, not the kind of year where you're like, oh, man, I need to make a multi-year big investment in this guy. So I, I, I don't really see that happening. And you say the same thing about Tony Pollard. Um, so yeah, that, that's where Derrick Henry, I think might get uh, the best deal out of those guys, but the rest of them, eh, I, I don't know. Uh, they're not going to throw, and I don't know if it's happened yet, but will the top three quarterbacks talk to you guys? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they were supposed to talk on, uh, Friday and also we are supposed to have Caleb Williams on PFT live on Friday. That's at least the current schedule that is subject to change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> PFT live on Friday, Caleb Williams. He's Miles Simmons live from the combine in Indianapolis. Miles, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Miles. Those linebackers All are right, waiting. Of course, gentlemen. Take care. <laughs> All right. Bye now. Miles Simmons uh, from Pro Football Talk. Follow him on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons from Indianapolis. Um, yeah, quarterbacks aren't throwing. Linebackers got things to say, apparently got to be important when do we get the hand sizes that's all i care about i would think this week right they're gonna measure yeah, out they, i mean yeah, i think tomorrow can the quarterbacks opt out of the hand size measurements i feel no. like you have to do that one. it's a requirement i think yeah. you have to do the, the testing but other than that you don't have to throw yeah measure those hands let's see who's got big hands small hands you got small hands you can't be drafted not top three. Oh god Jaden daniels if it's like ah uh, nine inches in his hand uh-uh it's too small uh, it's too small kenny pickett's like eight five eight that's not good. It's not very Boy, good at all. Kenny Pickett. Yeah. He's got a lot of problems. Yeah, he's not very good. That's there's one problem. He's not good. Right. That's the main one there. That hurts. It does. It's not very helpful for him. All right. Coming up next, we're gonna stick with the NFL because there is another team that could be interested in drafting a quarterback, uh, despite already having one. On a third and goal at the five. DeVito takes the snap. Back. Fires one right to Berkeley. Makes the catch, reaches for the touchdown. Tommy DeVito hits Barkley on a third and goal at the five, and DeVito's thrown his third touchdown pass of the game. Barkley with his second touchdown catch of the game. Now back to the Press Box on ESPN Las Vegas. We are giving away $2,024 a day here at Lotus Broadcasting, and all you have to do to enter to win is send us a text message. There's a daily code word. You just have to text that word to 702-364-1100. Today's word is an easy one. It's Rebels, like UNLV's nickname. Rebels, R-E-B-E-L-S. Text Rebels to 702-364-1100. You send Rebels to 702-364-1100, and you are entered to win $2,024. We're giving that away. Every day there will be a new word tomorrow and every day that we do a show through March. Jackie, you forgot the S, so do text in again. Somebody already texted in and just sent Rebel? Come on. Yeah, it's come on. Rebels. Add your S, plural, Jackie. Text in re- again. Multiple rebellious people. Rebels is the keyword of the day. 702-364-1100. That's the number to text Rebels to. All right. We got a report yesterday from Jordan Rana, who works for ESPN that the New York Giants could draft a quarterback. The New York Giants pick sixth in the first round. 
They also, as Jordan Rana pointed out, have two picks in the second round at 39 and 47. The Giants have Daniel Jones uh, under contract as a quarterback. They just gave him a four-year, $160 million deal before this previous season. Uh, Daniel Jones injured during the year. Daniel Jones has had a few injuries in his career. Do you believe the New York Giants could end up drafting a quarterback? I don't think that they're going to take one at six because I don't think any of the others deserve to be taken at six. Maybe yeah. in the second round. I mean, yeah. maybe there's someone in the second round they think could come in, come in and compete with them. But, I mean, do you think any of those other guys are top six players in terms of the draft? If the top three picks are quarterbacks, there's no reason the Giants should take Bo like Nix J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or yeah. someone like that at six. If they really want to take one of those guys, they should trade down right in the draft and not draft one at six at six again if the quarterbacks go one two three at six you're getting one of the three or four best non-quarterbacks in the draft get a wide receiver for daniel jones yeah so you could be getting a really really good player right malik neighbors or something like that you could be getting a really really good player at six i also don't think it makes sense to to draft one in the second round well not after you pay Daniel Jones all yeah. that money. Like, I, I, I would say this. I don't believe that Daniel Jones is going to be like a franchise like quarterback, a quarterback that you win a bunch of games and are a contender with. So I, I don't think it's wrong for the Giants to be looking at, all right, what are our quarterback options? Because we don't. it might not be Daniel Jones. But I think it would be stupid to use a second-round pick on a guy who's – not likely to beat like him out. Michael Penix. Like is like if you bring in Penix, what do you what do you, is Penix right. going to be better than Daniel Jones? He might be, but it just seems it's like no guarantee. Yeah, it seems like the odds of bringing that guy in to compete with Daniel Jones is foolish when you could use those picks to improve the rest of the roster around Daniel Jones, and then maybe two years from now or a year from now, you're you're answering the quarterback question a different way. To me, what would make the most sense? for the Giants, if they're going to take a quarterback, is to be the team that trades up. And it's a lot easier. Well, if you to, can get in the top three. Right. And it's easier when you have pick six. Right. It's a lot easier to trade it from six than it is for nine or 13. So that's where it would make sense to me is if the Giants said, all right, let's pull the trigger on this. Let's go up a few spots. And it's not going to cost us nearly as much as it would cost, say, the Raiders. Right. And let's get up to three and take whatever quarterback is left or something like that. That's what would make – if I were the Giants, that's really the only way I would be considering a quarterback this offseason. Otherwise, use the picks on other players and just roll with Daniel Jones, even the, even if you don't think he's going to be that good because, I don't know, the Pennix, McCarthy, or Knicks are going to be much better than him either. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, to come in – look, I, I don't know how much of a fan I mean of any of those three. Yeah. Um, so I definitely don't take I, any of those three at number six. Right. But you're right. They have a more enticing package to start with to get yeah. up into that top three to give them the sixth pick because you could. I mean, if New England's really starting to try to build around everything else besides the quarterback, sixth pick is pretty enticing. Right. Just to use Malik Neighbors as the example, who's the Patriots' best receiver right now? Tyquan Thornton. Right. Like, like what do they have at receiver? They need a receiver. So if the Patriots decide. Yeah, we don't like Jaden Daniels or Drake May or whoever they think is going to fall to him at three and say, let's trade out of this. If they go to six, they can probably still get Malik right. Neighbors. If they go to 13 with the Raiders, you're not getting Chances Malik are they're not getting them. Yeah, so that would make more sense. I will say this from the Raiders' perspective. 
if the Giants do decide that they want to take a quarterback, even if it would be stupid, you're now talking about a team that is picking ahead of you in round one, potentially taking, I don't think they would, but they could take the fourth best quarterback in the draft or trade up. So that hurts the Raiders' chances of getting a quarterback in the first round. But they also have a pick before the Raiders in the second round. So if the Raiders are sitting there and they're like, all right, in round two, uh, we'll take a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix, right? We think that would be the spot to take it. You now have another team that's ahead of you that might do that instead. You've got another team that's considering it, and that's not great news. Right. Because if you're right. the Raiders, you want as few teams ahead of you as possible. That need or want quarterbacks. Right, that are taking quarterbacks. And so you look at, just, just looking at the second round itself, um, the Giants are going to pick 39. We'll see what Minnesota actually does. But if Minnesota loses Cousins, they pick 42. And Atlanta picks 43. Yeah. And then the Raiders are at 44. So you could have two, maybe three teams in the second round that need a quarterback that might be interested in Pennix, Knicks, well, McCarthy at that stage. Besides the Giants, I think you have a couple teams in front of you in the first round that need right. a quarterback. So, so it, could, they could be gone. Basically, if the Raiders want a quarterback in the first or second round, Antonio Pierce was the worst thing that happened to them. In terms of if not not wanting to trade up, they went five and four with Antonio Pierce when the season was over. Go two and seven, and guess what? You're the Giants. You're picking. <laughs> That's not six. how a Raider t- thinks. That's He's not the, how a Raider thinks. There's a real chance they could want a quarterback in the first round. Not there. They could want a quarterback in the second round. Not there. And it's all because Pierce went five and four. <laughs> If he goes two and seven, they could have whoever they wanted outside of the top three, but Pierce blew it.